What do elite teams do? They win when they should, even coming off a tiresome and extremely difficult three-game road stretch. I'm sorry, did I say they win? No, elite teams obliterate their opponent, and that's exactly what Carolina did on Saturday. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It's Monday, January 15th, 2024. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us to get your Tar Heels content every day. This episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. I want to thank you everydayers for being here with us, but also want to say if you everydayers or anyone else who's joining us is not part of the Locked on Tar Heels Discord community, you're missing out in a big way. We'd love for you to come join us. The link for that is in the show notes. It's free to be part of. All it costs you is just a little fun and hanging out with Tar Heels folks. All right. Carolina knocks off Syracuse on Saturday, 103 to 67. Congrats to James Oconco on being the biscuit man, the biscuit getter, uh, knocking down two free throws to get Carolina to the century mark. The Tar Heels, 5 0 in ACC play, four teams right behind them at 4 1. That's Duke, NC State, and Wake. Yes, all four North Carolina teams right there together, along with Florida State. And nice thing is, Carolina's already beaten two of those four. Also nice, Tar Heels have a two-game lead on Miami, three-game lead on Virginia, and a three-game lead and the tiebreaker on Clemson. So sitting pretty right now, but you got to keep moving forward. As we sit here today on, uh, I'm recording this on Sunday evening, Carolina sits fifth at Ken Palm, 15th in offensive efficiency, and fifth in defensive efficiency. I actually haven't uh, double-checked that in a couple minutes because that was, you know, a while ago. Let me look to see if it's still true. Yep, still exactly the same as it was last time I checked. In the net on Sunday, Carolina jumped from ninth up to seventh, and uh, we're going to hit more on net and quads here in a little bit. So just kind of where things stand right now. Coming up on the show today, we're going to get to our Four Corners recap, our shady stat of the game. want to answer a couple questions from our live recap show that we didn't get to. And uh, as I said, look ahead at kind of where Carolina's sitting net-wise and resume-wise because that's always uh, good to be able to get to. Look, this was a great game from the Tar Heels. We discussed it on the live reaction, but again, want to make sure we're up to speed. Just a couple highlights. 22 points from RJ. Tenth time he's hit 20 points this season. He's over 40% from three on the season, up to 95.4% from the free throw line. Armando Baycott, Harrison Ingram both have double doubles in this game, despite uh, Armando only playing 16 and a half minutes and Ingram only playing 24-40. So, Great to see. There's two key things I want to hit on as big takeaways in this first section to talk about. Number one, I was really curious to see, you know, I talked about elite teams and what they do off the top. Carolina was coming into this game after having just played three quad one games, all road games, all important, important games. Now, not that this one against Syracuse wasn't important, 
but it is a lesser level opponent at home in terms of what things were looking like. And so this is often the moment when teams relax, let off the gas and breathe a little bit. And I was very curious to see what type of team Carolina is. Are they going to come home and settle and relax and rest? Or are they going to come home and play their game and dominate? You don't need me to answer that question. You already know it. They absolutely killed it. They are so locked in. There is no playing down to competition. They are playing Carolina basketball. There is one mission that all of them have. We don't need to relitigate the defense from Saturday, but man, it is something to behold. And again, for me, needs to now be the calling card of this team. Let the offense come and go as it needs to. But if the defense is there, it don't matter. You know, like I know you're never going to shut out your opponent, but if you can hold your opponent down, you're in great shape. And so the four things that I have said that I want to keep an eye on season long now, energy, check. That was great. Bench, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but check. Yes, 100% defense and rebounding. These are four, for me, pillars of success for this Carolina team, and they were all in place on Saturday. There was no let-up. There was no taking the foot off the glass, uh, off the gas. <laughs> there, there was no weariness from playing uh, a noon game. If anything, Carolina pushed the medal further to the floor, coming out with immediate energy. It shows me that they take every team and every game seriously, and I am here for that. They're going to have the opportunity to prove that even more so on Wednesday night when Louisville comes to the Smith Center because I know Louisville just beat Miami at home, which I'm still wrapping my brain around, but this is even more of a like, oh, it's Louisville. We're good, right? Let's let's just roll the ball out and play. So we'll, we'll find out again Wednesday night. Can Carolina keep dialing it up and playing that kind of thing? Now, all of this does not mean that Carolina will go undefeated the rest of this season. There are 15 more ACC games and then however many tournament, ACC tournament and NCAA tournament games that Carolina is fortunate enough to play. But even if Carolina takes one, two, three, four, however many more losses, if they're showing up, and playing with energy, and doing the things that they need to be doing, I can live with the loss as long as they're playing. Like, that's the thing. It's not football, like in college football, where one loss, maybe two, and you're like, oh, boy, we're done. Like, this is college basketball. This is what happens. So I'm not saying that Carolina won't take more losses, but I'm so pleased. They're already grinding out wins even on off nights. Um, off nights offensively, I should say. They're blowing out overmatched teams in the way they should, getting a lead and stretching it out in big ways. And winning conference games definitively. Each of these last four has been by double digits, the three road games on Saturday against Clem uh, Syracuse. excuse me. And critically, as you broaden your vision and look at, at the nation around us, it's insane how many teams were falling apart this week against unranked opponents, I might add. Of the top 11 in the nation, in, in terms of the AP poll, eight, or I guess, uh, actually, there were Marquette and Duke were tied for the 11th. So there are 12 teams in the top 11 this week. Nine of them lost to unranked opponents. Everyone but UConn, Carolina, and Duke. Everyone else had at least one loss to an unranked opponent this week. Not the Tar Heels. Love to see it. Okay, here's the other thing I want to talk about right now. Jalen Withers. 
I want to give this man some love and like my perseverance award. He has been the focus. Jalen Withers has been of a lot of disappointment from the Carolina fan base. I look, I've myself said like, not I've said like Jalen Withers is yet to find his role. I'm, I'm, I remember saying I'm nervous when he has the ball in his hands. Cause I'm scared. He's going to turn it over or get going too fast. Jalen Withers just needs to settle in and find his rhythm, find his role. And, and then things will be great. And the more guys team-wide do that, the better shape Carolina will be in. So now, I feel like Jalen Withers is figuring it out. He is embracing his role. And moreover, he is succeeding at it. And so as we gave criticism and disappointment to Jalen Withers when he was struggling, the opposite must be true now. That as I see it, he has come into his own for what this team needs him to do. And so we must give Jalen Withers praise and praise I will. Why is it so important for Jalen to be able to do that? Well, we talked last week, you might recall this, about role definition and how important that is for roles to be established, defined, and accepted by the players who are in them. The more each player is able to be the best version of what that team needs him to do, success comes along with it. Team-wide success. And so the more Jalen Withers is leaning into that, what is Carolina doing? They're on this six-game winning streak right now. Not so coincidental to me. Let's talk about a little bit specifics of what he's doing. 10 points on Saturday. That was his second highest total as a Tar Heel. He had 11 earlier this season. Six rebounds in this game. That ties the second highest uh, total he had this season. He had seven earlier in a game this season. But it's not only the second it's the second time in three games he's hit six rebounding. How about this? Starting with Tennessee game and going through Charleston Southern game. That's six games. Let me give you Jalen Withers rebounding totals. Two, one, two, three, zero, one. That's one and a half rebounds a game in those six. Since then, so that ended with Charleston Southern. Since then, there's been four games, all ACC games three road, and now home at Syracuse. So at Pitt, at Clemson, at NC State versus Syracuse. Those four games, three rebounds, six rebounds, three rebounds, six rebounds. That's an average of four and a half. So Jalen Withers in the last four games has shot up. Now, I, I know four and a half is not a massive number, but when you combine that with what everyone else is doing, it just so happens that that rise in rebounding happens to coincide um, with what Carolina has been doing, dominating the glass recently. All in. Now, Jalen Withers is not shooting three very, from three very well, but Carolina, frankly, doesn't need him to. He's two of 12. Anything you do get from him from three is just gravy. But what he is shooting well is free throws. Jalen Withers is 20 of 25. That's 80%. That is important because with his athleticism and motor and game the way it is, he should be getting to the rim and therefore the free throw line quite a bit. Another important thing that is making Jalen Withers fit more into his role now, turnovers are way down. In the first seven, Carolina's played 16 games. The first seven games, he had nine turnovers in those. Now, that's not terrible for like a main point guard, but for somebody who doesn't have the ball in their hands a lot, you see what I'm saying. But in the nine games since then, he has only five total turnovers. That's right. Nine turnovers in the first seven games, just five turnovers in the last nine. Those first seven games, he was averaging 1.3 turnovers a game. Now that is down to 0.6. 
That's right. Jalen Withers is figuring it out in all the little things he's doing as well. Uh, for example, last Saturday at Clemson, when Ian Shufflin was giving Carolina fits on the boards, in comes Jalen Withers and things change. He's doing it, y'all. I'm telling you, all of this is another part of what is making this Tar Heel team elite. Now, on Saturday, Syracuse's starting center was out, and that immediately spelled trouble for the Orange. How bad did things get inside for them? The answer to that and the rest of the Four Corners recap, plus the shady stat of the game. All of that coming up right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs just kicked off this weekend, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so very easy to use and there's a bunch of different ways to bet. Things like same game parlays. There's a new explore tab to help you find various bets you want to make. What about final four odds? Oh, you better believe they're up there and you know a certain team that has found their way into those odds. Purdue leads the way at plus 170 and then tied for second, UConn, Houston, Arizona, all at plus 250 odds. And then North Carolina and Auburn, interestingly, tied for the fifth best odds at, or really the third best odds, but the fifth and sixth teams in order at plus 390. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can see I've put up the box score for your perusal right now. If you're listening, uh, you can just listen away. I'm not going to, you know, alienate you. I just want, if you are, if you are watching to be able to see the box score in real time as well. Four corners recap. Here we go. Point number one. I mentioned it, but we learned pregame that Naheem McLeod, Syracuse's starting center, who, oh, by the way, is 7-4, was going to miss the game. So that meant that Malik Brown started in his place. Here's the problem for Syracuse. Malik Brown is not 7-4. He is six foot eight. Yikes. Cue happy Armando Baycott face. Am I right? You immediately wonder, or I did, hey, does that mean Carolina is going to just be able to manhandle things in the paint? And the answer was very clearly yes. The Tar Heels led points in the paint 58 to 32. And, and you hate that for Syracuse, right? To be a man down, you, you always want to win at full strength. But listen, this is a business. If somebody's missing, you got to take advantage, right? Like, if in football, if a defensive back goes off injured, I'm throwing directly to that receiver on the next play. That That's what it is, and that's what Carolina did. I mean, if you watch the game, you saw how effortlessly and easily Carolina was getting to the rim uh, through pass or dribble, whatever it took, they were doing it. Point number two in our four corners recap. Free throws have been a staple for this team, a major, major part of uh, how many points they score. Like they get a massive percentage of their points from the line. They also are very high up nationally in free throws attempted and free throws made and free throw percentage. And so Carolina um, has been relying on that. Now the last couple games, they weren't um, making or take, taking or making as many as they had. But thankfully, things returned to normal in this one. Let me spell it out a little more specifically for you excuse me, in three of the four previous games, they had been the three lowest free throw attempts of the season for the Tar Heels. 
Not in this one. In this one, Carolina gets to the line 27 times, knocking down 22 of them. Meanwhile, Syracuse got to the line 21 times, knocking down 17 of them. Now, that's great shooting for both teams, but Carolina did that thing that they're always looking to do, made more free throws, 22, than their opponent took 21. That is another recipe for Carolina to win. Now, uh, part of what helped in this one is that in two of the previous three games, RJ Davis had not attempted a free throw. Um, in fact, uh, he only attempt in, in the one of those three that he did attempt a free throw. There was only two. Of course, he made them both because he's RJ Davis. But in this game, he got back to the line more as he should four times making all four of them. So uh, Carolina needs RJ to get in there. But there's always this kind of like I don't know about you. I, when RJ gets in there, I'm always nervous. His body's just getting so banged up that, that there is kind of this give and take of how much he's there. Point number three in the four corners recap is second chance points. And they played a critical role in this game. Now look, rebounding is so critical. I talked about it earlier. These four pillars that I'm watching for game in and game out now with this Carolina team, energy, bench, defense, and rebounding. So as critical as rebounding is, um, Carolina has been doing that so very well since the Oklahoma game, overwhelming each of their opponents in this six game winning streak or five game winning streak stretch, I should say um, six games in total. But starting with the Southern game is, is when Carolina really took back off in rebounding. But we don't just talk about rebounding for rebounding sake, because that doesn't do you any good. We talk about rebounding because it's important to finish defensive possessions with the rebound so you get possession back, but it's also important to either maintain or reclaim possession on the offensive glass. Why? Because that gets you more opportunities to have the ball, and that gives you more opportunities to shoot the ball. More opportunities to shoot the ball hopefully means it going in more, which means more points, and that's how you win basketball. That's why rebounding is important. So, not only did Carolina dominate the offensive glass in this game, 19 rebound, 19 offensive rebounds to Syracuse's seven, so therefore getting those more possessions, they turned those into points very capably so. 22 points to six on second chance opportunities. So Carolina uh, dominated the offensive glass and then made good use of those offensive reboundings outscoring Syracuse 22 to six in second chance points. That is monster for this team on the live reaction show. I had mentioned that all 14, if you aren't aware, all there are 14 Tar Heels on the roster this year, all 14 of them played in this game. Well, I talked about on the postcast that all 14 of them had at least one rebound, but here's the depth. I didn't go to nine of the 14 Tar Heels had at least one offensive rebound and five of them had multiple offensive rebounds. Some of the usual suspects, Armando Baycott, Harrison Ingram, Jalen Washington, Jalen Withers, the Jalen Dubs, way to go, fellas, and James Aconquo had three offensive rebounds. So good to get him some minutes and get him in there. All right, number four in our four corners recap. Assists are not at an all-time high for this team. It's been hovering just above and below 50% as the season has worn on. But here's the thing for me that I've begun to come to grips with because I'm a big proponent of assist percentage being up over 50% on the season. But what I notice about this team is though, you know, it's not solidly above 50%, the connectivity is there for this group. They share well, they want to share, they delight in others' success. 
And so I think it is more a function. I'm starting to wrap my head around more a function of just how this offense operates well. And that to me is more important than a assist percentage above 50%. Never more visible to me than in my play of the game in which Carolina did have an assist and should have an, a, a hockey assist if basketball kept uh, stats that way. Um, we talked about on the live recap, Carolina's ability to um, diagnose the unexpected zone in the second half. We don't expect Syracuse to be playing much zone anymore, but they did a bunch on Saturday just because they couldn't do anything. So this play, my play of the game, was a transition at 1745 of the second half. It's kind of when uh, the, the event started unfolding. Carolina was up 58 to 39 at that point. Uh, Syracuse has possession of the ball. Elliot Cadeau block uh, goes right to Armando. Nice, easy rebound for him. Bondo gets it back to Cadeau, who leads the attack. He comes just to the left of the top of the key. Um, and let me set the rest of the players up so you can kind of picture this in your head. Cormac Ryan is in the right corner. Armando is at the left, like, or excuse me, in the ACC logo in the key. Um, and then Harrison Ingram on the left wing, RJ Davis in the left corner. So um, Cadeau comes up strong side, just again, just left of middle, is able to fake to Harrisinger and without turning from that fake RJ cuts. And so at that point, um, Cadeau gets that pass to RJ Davis, who's cutting baseline with no Syracuse's defense was all raised. Nobody got back to the baseline and worked their way back up. And so RJ gets an easy cut baseline to the basket. Um, Cadeau threads the needle to find him. And then, um, I forget who was on Baycott, but went down to cut that off. And so RJ just whips around the defender, drops it off for Baycott. Easy dunk. Boom, boom, boom. It was beautiful. It was precise. It was quick. That took all of eight seconds from the moment Armando grabbed possession of the ball. It was a glorious, glorious thing. My favorite two parts of it. If you see a replay from the baseline angle, you'll notice this. Uh, two things I loved about that. With the Cadeau fake to Ingram, he never moved from that staring at Ingram and just saw RJ cut, boom, no look, beautiful pass. The second part of it is that RJ had kind of a similar side shovel pass as he left it off for Mondo, but he never kept moving. Uh, he cut, received the pass, left it off for Mondo and just took back off on defense kind of nonchalantly obvious uh, honestly I loved it I thought it was so so great and I should mention that Syracuse gets the ball back turns it over almost immediately on the next possession turns into a one-man RJ Davis fast break for a layup that one took five seconds so those two buckets the Baycott dunked Davis transition layup were the last four points of a NATO run that took just 55 seconds that's like, so we've been talking about the defense. That's what this offense is capable of, spurtability. All right, shady stat of the game is the bench. We we talked some about it already, but Carolina's bench outscored Syracuse's 39 to 19 in this game. 11 for Jalen Washington, 10 for Jalen Withers, nine for Seth Trimble. What's really neat is this has been consistent this year. Carolina's bench has at least 14 points in each of the last seven games. In total, Carolina has played 16 games. The bench has contributed at least 14 points in 13 of those 16 games. To put that in context for you, Carolina had just 14 such games in the entirety of last season. We're probably not even halfway through this season yet, depending on how postseason stuff goes. And Carolina has just one fewer games where the bench has scored at least 14 points. 
that's doing something. Well, North Carolina has zero games played in quad two right now. Literally zero quad two results. Oh, but never fear. There are plenty of those ahead on the schedule. We'll talk about that and more of what's ahead coming up in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape some of the crazy realities of life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for when those real life moments happen? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if someone I loved got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from getting the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, though, there's Jace Medical, and they have this thing called the Jace Case, which is a pack of five different antibiotics treating a long list of bacterial illnesses, things like UTIs, skin infections, and others. It could happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than right now. So go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. Again, uh, offer code locked on to get $20 off your order at jacemedical.com. Isaac Shade back here with you on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. We're talking about Carolina's obliteration of Syracuse on Saturday. Now we talked about it last week, but um, Syracuse was teetering on that edge of it was a quad two game at the time, but I uh, estimated that probably Carolina's win would knock them out of the top 75, which would switch it to a quad three game. And that's exactly what happened when we woke up on Sunday morning. So what's funny about that is it means that all of Carolina's games this season are currently either quad one, quad three, quad four. If you're not aware of that, that's uh, it, the net is just the NCAA evaluation tool. That's all it stands for. And it's just a way to help kind of orient and, and put teams in buckets in terms of what a schedule has been like. It's not the end all be all, but we end up starting to take it as such as we move towards selection Sunday. Um, so that Carolina has zero games played in quad two. That'll change because next up, as I said, is Louisville on Wednesday. There are 14 remaining regular season games after that. Um, and of those 14 games, at least at the time we record this, 13 of those final 14 regular season games will either be quad one or quad two. The lone holdout of that is Carolina hosts Notre Dame on the next to last game of the regular season. Nice little breather. It's like playing a throwaway football game, an FCS school before like your big rivalry game or whatever. And that's what happens. Carolina plays Notre Dame at home before going on the road to Duke that following Saturday. Of those uh, 13 quad one and quad two games remaining, as it stands now, let me break it down for you. Again, this could change. It changes as teams' rankings change day to day, but it won't change dramatically so. So the five remaining quad one games um, versus Duke, versus Clemson, at Miami, at Virginia, and then at Duke. So five more quad one games right now. Three of them are on the road. Now I said Carolina has zero quad two games played so far. They have eight, at least as the schedule reads right now. At Boston College versus Wake Forest, at Florida State, at Georgia Tech, at Syracuse, versus Virginia Tech, versus Miami, versus NC State. So that, I, here's the thing. 
I see a lot of winnable games on that schedule. A lot of quad one and quad two opportunities. But here's the good news. Because only Louisville and Notre Dame, those, those are the two games that you cannot lose. Carolina has to dominate Louisville on Wednesday, just like they did Syracuse. And Carolina will have to dominate Notre Dame as well. Outside of that, here's the good news for the Tar Heels. Any game that they lose will be considered a quote-unquote good loss. Now, you don't want to lose at all, but the good news is you only have two more opportunities to take a bad resume-hurting loss. Now, why does that matter? Because when you take those kind of losses, those are the kind of losses that hurt your seating on Selection Sunday. If you are, let's say there's Team A, Carolina, and I just randomly pull something, Illinois, I don't know. And Carolina and Illinois' resumes are identical, but Carolina has a quad three loss and Illinois doesn't, Illinois would be viewed more favorably. So that means with only having Louisville and Notre Dame as bad potential losses left, that's good news for the Tar Heels. But again, you'd rather just win as much as possible. I'm just, I'm thankful that there's not much opportunity to lay a turd. (laughs) And keep in mind that as Carolina gets into ACC tournament play, especially assuming that they're going to be a a top four seed like we expect, they won't even play a lower ranked team because they'll all be done by the time Carolina starts. So that's good news. Okay, a couple quick questions that came in that I wanted to answer. Michael Shadron asked, when was the last time we, meaning Carolina, started 5-0 in ACC play? The answer to that is the 2015-2016 season that uh, weirdly ended in a tie after Marcus Page's three-pointer went down with four-plus seconds left in the national championship game. Weirdest thing. Uh, never seen it before in the history of the NCAA except that year. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Carolina started ACC play 8-0 that year before taking their first conference loss. So that is the last time for that. Um, Emily Von Pocky said, is this the first time that Coach Davis has used everyone on the roster? And <clears throat> Emily, I was assuming, meant in his three years. Well, even this year, Emily, this is actually the third time Coach Davis has played all 14 this season. So you do see that in these blowout type environments like Charleston Southern, obviously, is another example. Graham Bunn also had a great question. Um, Graham, I'm actually saving that for tomorrow's show because it's going to factor into some of what we talk about then. Uh, another just kind of fun Locked on Tar Heels community thing. You might recall a couple of weeks ago we wished um, Braden Mayberry, a happy 16th birthday. And, you know, was looking forward to getting his license. I got news that license is secured. So congrats to Braden on doing that very quickly weekend wrap up, and then we'll get out of here. Women's basketball gets back into the winning column on Sunday, 81 68 at home against Virginia heels. Now 12 and five on the season four and one in ACC play. Um, a fourth quarter blitzing kind of put this one away. Deja Kelly has kind of been playing backseat here and there um, in the scoring column. Not so on Sunday. Let all scores with 27. Shock of the century. Alyssa Usby gets a double-double, 17 points and 12 boards. Uh, tennis really getting going. Women's tennis preseason number one, as you would expect. Shut out Elon in their first uh, match to kick off indoor season. They play Campbell actually today, Monday. Men's tennis played, um, uh, excuse me, twice um, over the weekend in the Tar Heel Invitational, just kind of getting warmed up, had some great success. They're ranked 13th preseason. They will face Campbell and NC Central on Thursday to kick off 
the kind of actual main part of the schedule. Gymnastics had a quad meet on Friday. Unfortunately, came in fourth against Arizona, Boise State, and Nebraska. Wrestling had three this weekend. Lost on Friday to Penn, 26-10. Blanked Brown on Saturday, 40 to nothing. Take that, Paxson Wojcik. And then lost to Harvard also on Saturday, 20-15. to um, Track had the Virginia Tech Invitational this weekend. I actually don't have any results from that as of right now, but um, I know there was some success in it over the weekend. And fencing, uh, Sunday they were at Penn State duels. Men are ranked 14th and women 15th. Similar thing. No results yet as I record. All right, y'all. That's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. It's so great to be back after the weekend. Looking forward to another great week of talking Tar Heels. Again, come join the Discord. The link is in the show notes for that. Don't forget to subscribe on video and audio. Again, big thanks to everyone for getting us over the 7,000 mark on YouTube subscribers. Smash the like button if you're watching, and please, if you would, rate and review the show. It seriously really helps a ton. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll be right back together tomorrow, but until then, peace.